0: Banking is getting more complex and that greater complexity is creating more uncertainties and more risks. Sam Savage from Probability Management joins us to make a case for why banks should change the way they predict the likelihood of important outcomes. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the Managing Editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. We're all familiar with the law of averages, very simply put, that outcomes tend to average out over time. But this week's guest is here to talk about what he calls the flaw of averages. Sam Savage is Executive Director at Probability Management, a not-for-profit that aims to change the way organizations, including banks, think about and deal with uncertainty. Sam, thanks for joining us on the BAI Banking Strategies Podcast. Nice to be here, Terry. So Sam, The Flaw of Averages is the title of one of your books, so no doubt you can go deeper into that than our conversational format allows, but give us, if you could, a compact definition
1: of the flaw that you're talking about imagine an organization that is building out a new website and the site has 10 separate pages there's the registration page and the products page and the shopping cart page the legal page and you've got 10 teams working in parallel to get this website live because of course time is money imagine that each team takes on average six weeks to complete their page but of course You're not finished until the last page is done, and every team is a little uncertain. It's true they average six weeks. So you know the boss comes in and says, when do we go live? And you say, well, I don't know. I don't know how long team one will take or team two, and then the boss says, give me a number. And you'd be amazed how many people will say, well, on average, each team takes six weeks, so I would expect us to be done in six weeks. Well, guess what? There's one chance in a thousand of being done in six weeks. The way to picture this is, imagine each team flips a coin to see if they come in over or under six weeks. You're not done till the last team is done. So to finish in six weeks is a little bit like flipping 10 heads in a row. This is not a small effect, and it impacts every business of which I am aware. In what sort of ways does it affect them? Well, it explains why everything is behind schedule, beyond budget, and below projection. I I just explained why everything is behind schedule. Here's why everything is below projection. So you're deciding how much of some new product to manufacture. And you know, the average demand for this thing is gonna be 100,000 units. So you produce 100,000 units. And if you sell 100,000 units, you'll make $10 million. So should you expect $10 million? No. If the demand is below 100,000 units, you're not gonna make your money. Hey, but what if it's greater than 100,000? You're stuck. You know, you produced 100,000 units. You're capped. Why are things beyond budget? You plan for the average demand for some product, but you have to ship the stuff in, air freight if you don't have enough, or it boils if you have too much, like with pharmaceuticals. So if, the demand is exactly the average that you stored, then you have no operating costs. But if it deviates to the left or the right, if the demand is either greater or less than that average, you get dinged with a cost in either direction.
0: The name of your organization is probability management. And it so happens that probability management is also a discipline. So can you tell us more about this discipline in the context of the flaw of averages?
1: the discipline of probability management represents uncertainties as data. And we don't mean like, well, here's the mean of a distribution. We mean it represents the entire range of uncertainties. And it does it in a way that you can do calculations with the uncertainties. And I don't want to bore you with mathematical details, but it has taken a while to do It's an open standard. It is involved a number of pretty smart people. So there's a whole technology stack built around this. And it allows us to cure the flaw of averages because we don't use averages. We use uncertainties as represented by the discipline.
0: Banks are sophisticated enterprises. They're complex in their operational structure. They deal with complex products and services. And the people who run these institutions tend to be pretty smart and savvy. So. I say this because what you're talking about here doesn't seem all that sophisticated on the face of it. So what do you think accounts for why statistical oversimplification, why it persists?
1: That is really a great question. And I think there are two primary reasons. One you'd be quite surprised at. But most people, oh, like virtually all managers have had a statistics course. And according to my informal studies, about 95% of them have what I call post-traumatic statistics disorder, or PTSD. (laughs) They don't want to know about this stuff, and it makes them feel dumb. The second part of this, though, is more profound. Let me give you an analogous problem here. You know what NPV is, net present value. Can you imagine every project manager in a bank pick their own discount rate for their NPV? That would be ridiculous. You know, I mean, someone who's losing money would pick, you know, a 1,000% interest rate, so it wouldn't matter. And someone who's making a small amount of money would pick zero. There's someone in the bank called the CFO who gets together, I'm sure, with a committee, and they say, look, this is the discount rate we're going to use for all our NPV calculations. We do not have an analogous thing for uncertainties yet. We have the name for such a person. This is the chief probability officer. And we have the open standard now for distributing that information. And so, if you talk about the uncertainty of, you know, how many sales each salesman is gonna make, that has to be stored somewhere for all the bank to use in a uniform manner, the way they use the discount rate. The sheer terror of statistics for most people. And then there's the lack of standardized data. So
0: the industry of course is in the midst of turmoil as the the string of sizable banks failing continues to grow. Most recently with First Republic joining Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, and, and several others in that category. What connections do you see between what we're talking about here and what happened to those banks?
1: All these things involved uncertainties. And the banks undoubtedly were running some internal stress tests and this and that. These were not standardized in the same way that the discount rate is standardized coming from the CFO. And so in many places, they're still using averages. And of course, that masks risks and opportunities. The flip side of a risk is an option. And if you don't recognize the uncertainty, then you don't see where options appear, you don't see where risks appear. And I think it was really the lack of standardization.
0: Did it surprise you at all that in Silicon Valley Bank's case, the the downfall can't be traced to anything exotic? Instead, it seemed to be simply mismanaging assets and liabilities on the balance sheet, which strikes me as kind of a banking 101 thing.
1: So here's what I think was missing. Ultimately, the solution to these things involves running a simulation, and just to clarify this for the users. This is analogous to shaking a ladder before you climb on it to paint the side of your house. Everybody does it. And, by the way, the discipline of probability management, in effect, stores ladder shakes as data. Now let's go to Silicon Valley Bank. They actually had two ladders. One of the ladders were their assets that got badly dinged with inflation. Another ladder had to do with their deposits. And the deposits were coming from people who were venture-funded, which meant that as inflation went up and venture funding went down, suddenly these people had to take their money out. So let's talk now about shaking two ladders. The two ladders I just told you about If you just shake them independently, you know, imagine I have one chance in 10 of the first ladder falling down and one chance in 10 of the second ladder falling down. Well, the chance that both fall down is 1 in 100. But these two ladders were connected by a board. Both ladders were operating in the same interest rate environment. And so Silicon Valley Bank may well have been dutifully shaking each one of their ladders and saying, no problem here, without coordinating their results. So if both ladders are tied together and either one falls over, they're both going to fall over. So it makes it much greater risk.
0: So, Sam, we've been talking about the issues that can arise when bankers seek to boil complex uncertainties down to a single number. And in the case of the recently failed banks, some real-life ramifications of this kind of oversimplification, I want to ask you now about how to fix this. Aside from the board, which you talked about in your last answer, you know, between the ladders, what other types of high-level advice would you give to banking institutions about how to avoid these kinds of modeling
1: problems? The real beauty here is that if they avail themselves of the latest open technologies, that they've got all the people they need, they've got analysts, they've got bosses. The analysts often go to the bosses and try to tell them something statistical and they trigger PTSD and the boss says, give me a number. You've got the bosses who've got to be trained to stop asking for a number and you don't need anyone else. In other words, you don't have to go out and hire new people to start taking advantage of this new data-centric approach. There is this analogy with electrification. So in electrification, you know, you've got light bulbs. We all know what light bulbs are. And you've got power generating plants and you've got transmission lines. What makes electrification work is that everybody has one of these little three-pronged plugs in their office. And if we did not have those standardized plugs, you couldn't connect all these. Diverse groups together. So it turns out that the latest technologies do something analogous for probability, which I call chancefication. And chancefication does not involve hiring new people, but you end up connecting your statisticians and data scientists and analysts to the decision makers through the IT systems. So all you need to do is start speaking the same language. Tell us more about chanceification. We've got the analogy of the
0: plugs in the office. Tie it back to what you were talking about before on, in terms of the risks and the other issues that banks are facing here. How does chanceification really stand to change their outcomes?
1: Sure. I think I'll use a really simple mathematical example. I'm going to roll a pair of dice. And the boss says, what number's going to come up? <laughs> you know, <laughs> give me a number. And I say, well, how big do you want it to be, boss? Boss says, well, I want it to be at least eight. Great, boss. So here's what chance does. It delivers to all the parties. It delivers 10,000 die rolls stored as data. And for two different dice, this could be in a column in a spreadsheet, two columns. So what you can do is add those two columns together, and now you've got the sum of two dice, and you can simply count the number of times it's eight or greater or whatever the boss wanted. Then you, of course, divide by 10,000. So the chance of is instead of moving electricity around, we're moving these parallel universes around. These ladder shakes, right? I mean, shaking a ladder, if you shook a ladder 10,000 times, 10,000 motions, you roll a die 10,000 times, a mathematically similar
0: concept. So are there banks out there that have embraced chanceification? And if there are, do you have any indicators of how it's working for them? And for banks that aren't using it, which I'd imagine are probably most of them, What's your elevator pitch to them on why they should?
1: Yeah, so let's start with, are there banks out there who embrace transification? For example, internally, in their derivative portfolio, outfits like Goldman Sachs have probably been doing this for 30 or 40 years. The point is, that is completely internal and non-open, and they're not going to tell you what's going on. But the idea of storing the die rolls, absolutely. That goes back to financial engineering and the insurance industry. I don't know of banks currently uh, using the open standard. The fact is it's very new. I think the final version of our standard and software tools around it are just maybe a little over a year old. But, for example, Kaiser Permanente apparently recently saved $20 bucks by modeling their technology risks using this approach. And, oh, there's a big defense contractor that has also been using it for a while. With a defense contractor, they're worried about how long can you expect an airplane to fly before you have to replace a part? You can't do that with average times to failure. It's being used in a bunch of different organizations And what's required, if we go back to what do the banks have to do, they don't need to hire new people. They have to be aware that the standard exists and that it's easy to use in R, in Python, in Excel, on an abacus. But you do have to get, I think, three groups in a room together. You've got to get the decision makers. You've got to get the statisticians and data scientists. I'm lumping them into one group. And then the IT personnel who got to move the data around and is it feasible to do this. The decision maker has got to be admonished for asking for a single number. They don't need to anymore. And then the data scientists, of course, have got to think about how to structure it so you move the data around securely and make sure that it has provenance, people know where it came from, that we don't have everybody in the organization picking their own discount rate. No, we don't want them picking their own versions of the uncertainties either. They have to go to the chief probability officer to get that. The vast majority of banks
0: don't have that chief probability officer yet, though maybe that will change in the years ahead as they seek to predict possible outcomes more accurately. So Sam Savage, Executive Director at Probability Management, thanks again. We appreciate you being with us on the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. Thank you, Terry. And for any listeners who want to learn more about the statistical standards and tools that Sam referenced in this conversation, you can find them at probabilitymanagement.org. A few takeaways from the conversation with Sam Savage from Probability Management. First, he says, leaders at banking institutions have a tendency to oversimplify when it comes to gauging probabilities for two main reasons. The first is that statistics is not their forte, so they're not comfortable managing uncertainties. The second and perhaps more impactful reason is that many banks don't have enough standardized data about key operational and risk metrics to build more effective predictive models. He cited the failure of Silicon Valley Bank as an example of how analyzing risks in isolation can lead to catastrophic results. On one hand, SVB had long-dated assets that had declined in value, and on the other hand, they had short-term liabilities in the form of deposits. Taken separately, the risks may have appeared tolerable, but rising interest rates threatened both sides of the balance sheet and thus amplified those risks. And finally, How should banks develop a more sophisticated approach to assessing probabilities? Sam's first bit of advice is to stop using averages for important decisions. That oversimplifies things. Then he says, get the internal stakeholders together to shape a plan that will improve accuracy and value. This group includes management level decision makers, data scientists, statisticians, and the IT department. Thank you for listening to the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor at BAI. Please visit us at BAI.org for more actionable insights on themes that are important for the financial services industry.